Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. This week's Inspirational Australian podcast guest is Helena Nicholson, who was presented as a finalist in the prestigious Curtin University School of Education Teaching Excellence Award last year. Helena has a passion for sustainability, education, and as a technologies teacher for years three to six. And she's also a coordinator of STEM education and sustainability at Dunsborough Primary School as well. Helena, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's great to be chatting with you. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. You know, you do an amazing work and I think we all realise, and if we don't, we need to start to realise that our children spend more time with their teachers than they do at home with us. So we rely heavily on our teachers and they make a massive contribution to the future of our children, not just for one year, of course, but all through their education. So we acknowledge the amazing work that you do and that of all teachers. So thank you so much. You've been teaching for over 20 years now. You must really love it. I certainly do. Uh, I have a lot of fun. I work as a specialist teacher, teacher, so I have a, um, a lot of students that I interact with over the course of the week. And I'm really inspired by their creativity. I love tapping into their curious minds and always learning myself. And I, I sit comfortably learning with the children often, especially in the technology space. And they I think really it's are really yeah. sponges, aren't they? They are. And yeah. I think, you know, as educators today, we can't feel like we have all the answers because the children can Google. The, the content, what we're doing is facilitating for them. So true. That wasn't the case in my day. Um, and technology is an extraordinary thing can work in or against you. Uh, Helena, what do technologies entail for year threes to sixes as a technology specialist? So I work in both the digital and design and technology space. So there's two strands to that learning area, one of the eight learning areas for the national curriculum for all students. It's mandated. So in digital technologies, the children learn to code. Um, they wow. use Blockly language to start with, which is quite intuitive for them and um, does allow for a great level of creativity. They also learn robot robotics. So have lots of different devices that the students can use and control with code. A big part of my uh, content in digital technologies is cyber safety, which everyone knows is extremely important and yes. understanding the risks and ways to be a responsible digital citizen. 
Children also learn computer systems. And then in design and technologies, they learn design thinking and create solutions and look at different contexts. So they look at engineering and materials and we have lots of fun. In today's world, it sounds so essential going back. There was no such thing, of course, in in my day, but so important. All those things that you talked about are all critically important. So you must feel very empowered to be able to teach kids these really essential qualities and skills that they will need. I do, and I I don't take it lightly. Um, I have really strong conversations with the kids and the thing is sometimes as an educator in in technologies you have a conversation or you're teaching children about something that you kind of go is this too soon to teach them this but there were two kids out of the 24 that need whatever the message is but the point is if you have that conversation with them now they have the foundation for a response that is informed when they are actually um, faced with that particular issue. It's really interesting yeah, so true. and challenging. So true. So what uh, sparked your interest uh, in becoming a teacher in technology? It was actually a school decision. Um, the technologies curriculum was mandated about five years ago and I Dunsborough Primary School is a large school. We have 750 okay. students. And the administrators made a decision to have technologies as a specialist area just to ensure that the introduction of that new technology curriculum was done with integrity across the whole school. So at the time, I was actually working as a drama specialist. Uh, I did that um, at the school for about eight years. So they said, look, just pop out of drama for a couple of years and then we'll readdress it. But I haven't actually got back to drama teaching but there was a natural connection. I'm, I'm really interested in technologies and in the drama space I was already doing movie making and green screen and using iPads as tools for creativity. So that was the starting point and I said, sure, I'll do that and, and um, I haven't got back. But that's the school decision and, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of creativity going on in my technologies room. Well, it sounds like you've embraced it um, and I obviously had great faith in you too that burden on you so good on you and good on them for making that decision how do your students embrace the technology do they love it I think you know the answer to that (laughs) question what kids don't love technologies there's a hundred percent engagement the kids are always having fun they're having opportunities to be creative and collaborate collaborative because those are the skills the critical thinking collaboration and creativity that we have to have them set up for that's what is required for their future employment so having opportunities to work in teams on in different whether it's a, a virtual world on a education minecraft platform where they are working collaboratively to build something to create a solution or whatever the context, they are developing these skills and technologies is the vehicle for that. So it's great. Fantastic. Must be wonderful to have 100% interest. That must be difficult in a lot of the other subjects, getting 100% interest. (laughs) Oh, that's not my problem. No. (laughs) Exactly. So you're also a coordinator for STEM education and sustainability. I know you're a little bit passionate about that. What does that involve, particularly the the STEM? So STEM education is not a curriculum area 
STEM is a way of teaching. So allowing children to create solutions where they are integrating the curriculum areas, whether it's science with technology or technology with engineering or science and maths and making sure that you've got that, that broad curriculum link with whatever the activities are that you do. We've come a long way from uh, STEM being just who can build the tallest spaghetti tower. It's not that anymore. So we work as learning teams and we have STEM focus activities that are linked to a main curriculum uh, descriptor or outcome each semester where all of the classes make sure that they do a really good job of that particular unit and then that's used in moderating and in just ensuring that the kids are getting the opportunity for STEM. But it's also strongly linked to the design and technologies curriculum that is mandated. So the STEM learning informs the design and think, design and technologies curriculum and then reporting. So well, beautifully interlinked. Yeah. And it sounds sounds wonderful. Like school has come such a long way, the way everything integrates uh, very cleverly to get best possible outcomes for students. I think with regard to sustainability, though, and how that works in the school setting is that I've been running this committee for about 13 years and it's a really broad committee with administrators on board and at least one teacher from each learning area. We have industry representatives and parent representatives. So it's all beautifully linked. And then, of course, we focus on the five areas of sustainability with lots of different whole school events. So water conservation, waste management, active transport, energy conservation, so we have solar panels and biodiversity, so lots of tree planting and possum surveys and lots and lots and lots of things going on. Fantastic. <laughs> must be fascinating and very interesting for the kids to have so much to occupy and grow their minds. Are the parents able to support their kids adequately with homework and subjects like technology? I think so. We A lot of schools have digital portfolios to demonstrate the learning for students and so the, the teachers are tuned in to what's going on with the class um, through what we use a, a platform called Seesaw so the students post work and the parents see it and comment on it and there's this beautiful um, connection between home and school. Um, and I think, you know, parents today choose to keep up um, things like the um, mandatory QR codes that have happened has really stepped up our community in uh, the use of technology. So, um, yeah, I think the parents can support their kids and if they can't, you know, the door's open and, and parents do come and, and talk to me about uh, supporting their students. When you see the parents, is their first word help? Or <laughs> 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 well, hi. Uh, uh, hello, yes. <laughs> What initiatives have you introduced in technology and some of the STEM ideas in your 15 years at Dunsborough? Well, when I started in the technologies role, I didn't feel like I just wanted to step through the descriptors in the curriculum and, and teach them in isolation. So my approach is to always integrate with other subject areas. So I find out what the kids are doing in a year level in the science space and then I might get them to create an animation online to demonstrate their understanding in that, that learning area. And I also uh, grabbed hold of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals in my first year in this role because I wanted to provide a context for learning if I couldn't link it to another curriculum area. And so the children have 
have challenges where they can use a digital device and or coding to create a solution that works towards solving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the 17 of them, to be achieved by 2030. So they really have a good understanding of those. That's a whole school approach and it gives them a really great context. So they might be looking at quality education or decreasing poverty or clean water or life below the water or life on land, whatever the goal is, and then they are working towards that with whatever they create. So it gives them a really great hook. Initiatives, STEM Family Challenge. So we have an annual um, STEM Family Challenge. So the children uh, work with their families to complete a challenge. Last year's 2021, we did the Sustainable House. So there were parameters. We had a really cool sustainable architect come in and do the judging and they built these models and they had design parameters. They had to demonstrate sustainable practices but then use recycled materials to build them and we had heaps of entries and that was really inspiring. STEM club. So I have um, a STEM club for year four, fives and sixes during lunchtime once a week. And in the design and tech space, talking about motivation and technologies and how much they love them. At the end of last year, I did a year five project with in, with sewing. So design and tech, bought the sewing machine, got a couple of parent helpers, and the children had to design and construct a lunch bag that was reusable to reduce the amount of plastic that was disposed. So I'd rather do this than play Minecraft, I heard a year five boy say. <laughs> so that was pretty inspiring. You've nailed it. No, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. And it sets a foundation for sustainability and a little bit outside the square thinking yeah. for, for our young ones when they get into high school or when they leave mm-hmm. school. So I reckon that's absolutely brilliant. You're really nailing it, I reckon. <laughs> You're also very, very passionate about the environment. We talked about sustainability, uh, sustainability a little bit. What led you down this path originally? I'm a farm girl, country chick. I've always been connected to nature. I live in a beautiful part of the world um, in the southwest of Western Australia. We're a biodiversity hotspot, so we have incredible biodiversity. We have plants um, and animal or plants that grow here that grow nowhere else in the world. And I had this opportunity. I had this experience at my school in the early days where there was the two thousand year two thousand explosion of um, population, and we had to take a bush area and turn it into a playground. And there were about four spider orchids. I don't know whether you know the spider orchid, but they were growing and they only grow in a particular place. The soil biome has to be right and they were there and I spoke to the gardener. I said, look, can you just cordon off this little area? We need to save these orchids. And he got busy. It didn't happen and the 75 kids trampled all over the orchids and they were gone forever. So I just went, right, I need to try and do something about this. So I've been, um, I'm the president of a local land care group and have been for about seven years and been a member for longer than that. And so we have a really great vision and we do a lot on ground to help uh, rehabilitate brooks and litter cleanups and and advocate for, for sustainable development. You know, there's still development going on in this part of the world, but we just need to make sure that the environment is um, right up there in the considerations. Fantastic. Sounds like we need to find a sustainability award sponsor so that uh, Dunsbury can be nominated for that. Uh, we've already won it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Congratulations. Yes, we won that about five years ago, the Land Corps Sustainability oh, Award. Fantastic. We won. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, you're way ahead of me. 
Um, <laughs> are there any other initiatives or what are some of the initiatives? Yeah. You've talked about a couple just then. Are there any other initiatives that you've been uh, so involved we've with? Had, we've had chickens at school for about 12 years. Um, we have children advocates called the Green Ambassadors, which has been running for that length of time too. So each class has two members that work for their class and they make sure the lights are off and they empty the recycling and do other little jobs. And then they're a part of the leadership team, so they report to the school fortnightly on what's going on in the sustainability space. We've had a veggie garden forever and ever. And then a couple of new things, waste stations. So 750 kids in the school, three places to get rid of your rubbish. Wow. So we have four different choices. We have a flow chart to show where things go. And then in 2021, we introduced the green team. So these guys are monitors and they stand at the bin to just make sure because cross-contamination is always a problem with, with bins. Yeah. So the green team's a new initiative. And then for the last couple of years, we've also been recycling soft plastics, which has been amazing. So... It's one of their choices at the waste station. And the veggie garden, what's uh, what's the main production item? Um, lots of herbs. So we have we close the loop at school. So we have a five day canteen, and most of the food is homemade in there. So the canteen works with us to work out what needs to be grown. So there's lots of herbs that are always um, in the garden, and they just negotiate. And you look at the science throughout the year. Of the garden too, we have yes science in the veggie garden so i developed programs garden gurus and actually created activities for the students to do in the garden that are linked to the science descriptors that hasn't been running for a couple of years because we had a change in in staff but the garden is available for teachers to go in and work when they're doing the biological science strands so the space is there as well as the work that the um, green team fantastic is doing there. Yeah. and you've even got a, a seasonal frog habitat yes that's another one of my babies um i was lucky enough to um sweet talk a local fellow whose great grandfather built the bustleton jetty which is a mile long out to sea and um chip yelverton had a whole bunch of granite and he brought it in and so we've got this beautiful long granite space that when the rain comes it overflows and then it goes into the stormwater so We've had frogs in there that the adage is build it and they will come. And um, most of the frogs in the southwest are burrowing frogs, so they don't need to have a permanent water source. So it works a trade. Tell us about the uh, themed nature-based gathering so, yeah. place. Have been involved through the school and the Landcare Group in with Diljit Meyer, which I was fortunate enough to be on the committee. And it was the first time our local Wadandi people had were acknowledged in our community. And we built this Aboriginal themed nature-based gathering place. So my role was really the rehabilitation because it was right on a brook. But we worked um, collaboratively. The children did art at our school and that art then went into the, the space. And the actual space is based on the story of the Wadandi people. So the Wadandi people would walk down the Dugalup Brook to the sea and there still remains the ancient fish traps. So with the tidal flow, the, the fish would be caught in the rock okay. circles and there's still remains of them there now. And then they would take the fish and then they would dry them and smoke them over on peppermint branches over fire and they would gather together in the season. So the actual Diljit Mai gathering place is built based on that. So it has a dry water course and it has 
bits and pieces that the kids can actually manipulate to create nature play. So it's an, it's a fantastic and it's right in the centre of town. So the kids were involved in planting and the artwork. It's great. Great for the children also to be able to understand our Aboriginal heritage. Totally. So that, that's fantastic. And we can learn a lot uh, about culture you know, if we look back and get more involved in our Aboriginal cultures locally or more broadly. Yeah, I think um, the, the wishes of the Wadandi people at the time were acknowledgement of country, and as I say, that hadn't occurred until that point, caring for country and so rehabilitating the brook and getting the native sea celery and other endemic species back in there, and also Wongi, which is the stories. And so those stories are actually carved on wood and visitors to the space can can learn about what I was just explaining to you. So it's pretty special. Well, it sounds like you're Expecting the wishes, so that's that's awesome. Helena, what legacy will you leave? You've obviously done, contributed, and given a heck of a lot. What's your legacy going to be? Well, I believe that you know these conversations have been going for a long time, and and the conversations don't happen just at school, but they go home and there's the pester power, and there's been behavioural change. So I think. Raising awareness and the behavioural change is is what is the key for me. I think my other legacy is a, another um, special thing that I started 11 years ago now called Bay OK Day. So I decided that we needed to celebrate our sustainability and annually we have a excursion to the beach so we can walk to the beach. So 750 kids at the beach all at the same time and they have activities that they do that are based on sustainability, science education, marine safety, and we're all down there. And this coming November, it will be number 10. It would be 11, but we had to cancel um, in 2020. But all of the students are there from K to 6, and they work on um, learning about the, the catchment, the ocean, crabs, the fisheries are there, multi-different um, providers from government sector and also private providers. And so hopefully that will continue and that is my legacy, part of my legacy too. To raise awareness is one thing, but to make change is really special and significant. So it's no wonder that you became a finalist in last year's Curtin University School of Education Teaching Excellence Award, uh, which, of course, is part of the WA Community Achievement Awards for regional Western Australia. It must have been such a wonderful validation of the terrific work you were doing at Dunsborough Primary and for all the young people that uh, you teach. Yes, it makes, made me very proud. And this last year, when I was a finalist, I took my sister and I took a girlfriend and it was my girlfriend who sat there and said, this should be televised. All these other inspirational nominees are just incredible. And we sat there the whole time just astounded and you really don't know what you don't know. And the the, the awards just provide that opportunity for people to be celebrated. You know, you don't do it for the acknowledgement. It's all about, for me, it's all about the kids. But, you know, being regional is a gift as far as I'm concerned and, and I think the acknowledgement is is really special. Oh, that, that's wonderful and that's what the awards are all about, acknowledging people who do what they do because it needs to be done and they want to do it super well to do it the best of their ability to be the best version of themselves, which is really what you're doing with every one of your children, giving them that opportunity 
to be the best version that they can possibly be of themselves. You, you talked about how inspirational it was and you know, everybody's amazing, which is uh, absolutely true. Is there anything else that stood out to you at the Hyatt Regency there in Perth uh, on of the night itself? Oh, look, I think just as I said, the inspirational other nominees, you know, just really understanding other stories and it's a such a fun night you know the music's great the food's great and it's a really joyous celebration there's often big uh, support crews for certain entries which is really cute and that's what challenging too because as we are regional and West Australia is a big state it's a long way to come for a lot of people and also I think the industry acknowledgement and the government acknowledgement I think the fact that those awards are sponsored by different organizations and the significance that people are to them because it's always a partnership isn't it you know we there's no show without an audience everyone's as important as each other it's becoming a finalist in the awards made a difference for you in any way? I certainly put it on my CV and proudly display my certificate. It is great to be acknowledged. It's it's a lovely thing. Yeah, you're so right. And a big shout out to the School of Education at, at Curtin Uni. have been long-term partners of the awards to promote and acknowledge the terrific work that people like you, Helena, are doing in regional WA. And a shout out to Minister McTiernan and the Director General, Ralph Addis, at the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development that you were just talking about, Helena, who are our major award partners in making these awards possible and bringing the awards to the people of regional WA. So important to acknowledge the brilliant work that's going on in the regions. And like all of us, you must feel the daily pressure build up from time to time, Helena. How do you stay motivated and keep energised? Well, I'm very lucky. I have a small four-legged child. My children are old and have moved on, but I have my dog, Leon, and we go to the beach twice a day every day. He keeps me going and always seeing those fresh faces every day. I've always been a busy person, but I do it for the kids. Yeah. And that's where the and a walk along the beach is pretty special, very fortunate, and it's a beautiful part of the world. What's something quirky that we might not know about you? Okay, it's actually linked to the beach. At the end of 2020, I had a round birthday starting with F and it wasn't 40 and I decided that I needed to do something special and I wasn't going to run a marathon. So I set myself the challenge to dip in the ocean every day of 2021 and I achieved that. In fact, I'm still going. So that's a special thing that I'm pretty excited to be able to keep up and it has had a really great impact on my general health, my mental health and just keeping myself connected to the sea and staying healthy and so that's... Um, that's brilliant. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> in winter, is it first thing in the morning or after school? It's usually first thing in the morning. I have a photograph of me walking down with six degrees on my watch and one day in August, I thought it's particularly cold. I chose not to find out the water temperature because it didn't make any difference. But in August, when my um, bones in my ankles and wrists were cold, I thought I'd check it and it was 14.1. Wow. So 
six degrees outside, 14.1 in, you know, it's only a few minutes. I'll go home and have a hot shower. It was still exhilarating and I, was, I still did it. The only other challenge was just trying to step over the, the seaweed. So we have some of the most pristine seagrass beds in the world in Geograph Bay and I hurt my knee because I hit a solid wall of seaweed when I was stepping oh. over a wave. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm not sure funny is the word, but... Uh... <laughs> That's that's fascinating. Yeah, I, was... I take my hat off to you all through winter, <laughs> going for a dip when the water's fourteen degrees. But it probably warmer if you stood there for a few minutes in six degrees. You probably thought fourteen was wonderful. That's right. And when you get out, you don't actually feel that cold. It's quite bizarre. Yeah, that is bizarre. Something I don't really believe. But anyway, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll trust you on that. So what's next for Helena Nicholson? Well, back into technologies teaching, I start on Thursday. Um, I'm actually a curriculum support teacher for the department, so I'm spending the first day and a half back at school presenting to other teachers on curriculum. Um, but the most exciting thing next for me is I'm directing my fifth school musical. So I have 46 eager beavers in year five and six at the school already signed up and ready to go and we're doing a music theatre international uh shrek junior production in june so just in my spare time where are you fitting that in you're a a woman of many talents clearly (laughs) (laughs) what do you think the world needs more of right now I think we need to continue to show kindness to others and I think it's really important to have an attitude of gratitude every day. I think we have been in a serious bubble in the southwest of Western Australia where, I mean, Western Australia's got 24 COVID cases today and that's that's the very beginning of it for us. So we've got no concept of what's been happening in your side of the world. So let's just be grateful and, you know, look after each other. and be Yes, in, uh, in Melbourne, we're way down on what we were a few um, few days or weeks ago when we were well above 30,000 in a day. So, and we were not able to get to any of our awards nights across the country. No, you missed but ours. No one would let us mm. in. <laughs> we were not wanted Aww. by anyone. Mm. So we were feeling very lonely and not only we were not wanted, we weren't even allowed out of our houses. So we mm. were in lockdown. Mm. Anyway, it's not a story. Mm. Uh, do you have any other words of wisdom or encouragement for our listeners? Oh, I think just um, always be the best that you can be. I think it's important to be a lifelong learner. Yeah, I think that's really important. Annette, our producer, is a very good learner. If there's something she doesn't know, she Googles what she studies and next thing she knows. So I've been spoiled. I don't worry about learning anything. I do know how to turn the computer on, so I probably get past the first question of your first lesson for year ones, but it's probably <laughs> where I'd be stuck. You know, that's another story as well. Where can our listeners connect with you online to find out more about you and, of course, your teaching? I am a Twitterer, Twitterer. and my t- Twitter handle is at Helenergy underscore four, so H-E-L-E-N-E-R-G-Y underscore four. What about LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn as well? 
I am on LinkedIn. So yes, they can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not that active on that. As, for, as a technologies teacher, I'm a little bit naughty at, at social media. I do have a private uh, Instagram account because I, a picture paints a, a thousand words, but I'm a bit busy to be on <laughs> too yeah, much online. That's a reasonable excuse, I would have thought. Uh, but I must say Twitter in the education sphere is an incredible resource. It's it's where you find out what's going on first, um, especially when you link. So I'm part of a, a wonderful uh, chat called Primary STEM Chat, which is um, managed by West Australian, and that has a weekly conversation and it's a great opportunity to share STEM teaching and learning and connect with like-minded STEM teachers. So highly recommend that too. Well, Helena, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. You're a true community champion. You do so much that does Dunsborough Primary for your children. You make a real difference, and I'm sure they're very thankful. We're very appreciative of what you do, and, of course, all teachers. We're very thankful that we can leave our kids in capable hands like yours. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me, and thank you again on behalf of your students for all you do. It's a pleasure. Thanks for choosing to chat with me. Oh, it's been a real uh, privilege. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed my chat with Helena and now a little more enlightened about the passion of our teachers and that there is much more taught in our schools besides reading, writing and arithmetic. Until next week, take care, be kind and keep inspiring because together we make a difference. Thank you so much. Pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference for others? And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember... Together, we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together, we make a difference. <laughs>